Welcome back to another episode of the Kansas City Symphony's podcast, Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. I'm Stephanie Brimhall, the Symphony's Education Manager. I'm Jason Sieber, the Associate Conductor. And I'm Mike Gordon, Principal Flute. So believe it or not, the Kansas City Symphony hosts the largest Memorial Day weekend concert in the Midwest. It regularly draws crowds of 50,000 people to the grounds of Union Station and the National World War I Museum and Memorial. It's truly a tremendous achievement accomplished by a very small symphony staff and um, some incredible community partners, including Union Station, the National World War I Museum, the City of Kansas City, KCPT, Parks and Rec. I mean, there are so many awesome partners that really work together to put this on for the community. Yeah, it's uh, truly a massive production. I mean, we shut down streets, we construct a whole stage, uh, we put up giant screens, lights, speakers all the way up the hill in front of the memorial uh, so everyone can hear what's going on. There are food trucks, uh, pre-show bands, snow cones, beer, wine, barbecue, glow sticks, uh, and even the occasional unlicensed hot dog vendor. So beware, folks where you acquire your hot dogs from <laughs> at uh, at Union Station on Memorial Day. <laughs> Believe it or not, we have a staff member who has to like every year chase off the unlicensed hot dog vendors oh it, without fail. <laughs> and it's such a blast, you know, the musicians show up usually, you know, maybe an hour or or less before the concert starts, but it's a whole day of activity out there. So we get there and everybody's been partying and having a great time and it's like a whole fair. I mean, it's awesome. Well, this event, of course, every year is so incredibly special to us at the symphony because it's special to the Kansas City community. And as Stephanie said, you know, 40, 50,000 people come every year. Uh, it's a chance for us to really show our appreciation to the servicemen and women in our community and to honor those who have died while serving our country. And unfortunately this year, because of social distancing and everyone staying at home, we're unable to gather for what would have been the 18th annual Bank of America celebration of the station. Believe it or not, despite bad weather threats in the past, threats of rain and tornadoes, which we sometimes get in this part of the country, crazy heat like upper 90 degree heat and crazy winds, we've never had to cancel a celebration at the station event. This is the first year where we're not able to do it. So we're very sad to not be performing it live for all of you this year. Um, but we are busy working on uh, a best of celebration at the station broadcast, which is going to air here in Kansas City on Sunday, May 24th and Monday, May 25th on KCPT, our local PBS station. So make sure you tune in for that if you're in KC. You know, there's so many awesome moments, guys, to choose from over the past 17 years. There's, we've had a lot of amazing guests, a lot of really beautiful performances. Um, I know that this Best Of show is going to be really great. I don't know what you guys think, what your favorite celebration of the station memory is. I've been here now four years, um, and I've heard a lot of cool performances, but I'd say my favorite memory so far of Cats, which is what we call it, celebration at the station was probably actually last year when we had Kapathia Jenkins as our guest. She's an amazing uh, vocalist, and she gave a rendition of America the Beautiful that not only brought the house down, but brought everyone to tears. I had the chills, um, and that's not just because I was in the KCPT truck trying to help the cameraman with the great air conditioning that I get every year. I mean, it was really a brilliant performance. Do you guys have favorite memories of Celebration of the Station? Can I just jump in here? Because you like to rub that in that you get to stay in the air conditioning for that. Because I 
I mean, I feel like we all are like out there on the pavement, like counting like the sweat rings. And you're in it's there true. in like your collared button down in the, yep. the truck. That's very true. Not only do I get air conditioning, the KCPT crew gets really good barbecue every year. So I make sure I hit that up. Uh, I know. I, I always feel bad because all the musicians, all the rest of the staff are out in the heat sweating and I'm in this nice air conditioned truck. Yeah, you sound like Brilliant. you feel really bad. I feel horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie, Mike, do you guys have a favorite cat's memory though? Well, you know, like I said, I get there uh, about an hour before and I see everybody and, you know, all of our staff and our volunteers, they are just like an army who put this thing on. So that's why they're so uh, hot and tired. And, you know, I show up in my fresh concert clothes and I'm looking, you know, right and ready to go. Um, and, you know, I I was thinking about this. I don't know that I have a specific memory, but I really, I really love this event and it comes toward the end of our season. So it's, you know, something that sort of signals to me, oh, we're getting to the end of our season and it makes me think about, you know, the last six, eight months of concerts that we've put on and it's our biggest audience of the year. And, and honestly, every year, when the show starts, mo- mostly the years we start, we start actually with the same thing. It's this heroic fanfare by Paul Murtha, and you know, bum, ba, 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 ch, ch, you know, this is the Bank of America celebration at this day, and it's just a moment to sit there before I actually have to play. And I look out and I see all the people, and it's just. It's the best feeling. I love it. And, you know, honestly, I don't enjoy outdoor concerts because they're just difficult. They're hot. There's wind. Pages are going everywhere. There's clips to deal with. My pads are sticky. But, like, that particular concert uh, is just the energy of it is so great. And I think we always strike a really nice balance between, you know, honoring our military, honoring our vets and those who have passed and also just, you know, making it a good time. It's a really, really beautiful event. Well, I've been fortunate enough to to have done this event. Um, I think this year would have been my 10th celebration at the station, I think. Um, so I have a lot of really great memories. A lot of, um, it's an amazing time, especially for the staff, because we're with each other for, you know, 20 hours a day, uh, you know, for the entire weekend and, you know, putting this together and what, seeing it all come together is pretty incredible. Um, and it is a lot of hard work, but um, when you sit down and you get to hear the product, it's super rewarding. And there's one moment in particular that I can remember that I come back to quite often, actually. I'll find it on YouTube and and revisit it. And that comes from our program in um, 2013 when we had the group Music Corps join us. And Music Corps is a band um, that was put together um, for Wounded Warriors, and um, they came and they sang Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah with the incredible Alita Adams, and um, it it just, it, it's one of those, it gives me goosebumps uh, every time. I've probably listened to it 50 plus times, and every single time I get, I get goosebumps, and it's incredibly moving. It was a tremendous performance by this group, and uh, just, just, something that will stick with me forever. Um, And I hope all of you too, which actually brings us now to our guest today. So for the three of us, music has always been a huge part of our lives, but I think it may even be more important to our guest. Uh, 
In fact, I think if you ask him, he might even say that music contributed to to saving his life even perhaps. So we're really excited now to be joined by um, a retired Marine musician and all around inspiring individual. Welcome to the show, Tim Donnelly. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Really glad to be here. So Tim was actually part of that music core group that performed with the symphony in 2013. So Tim, I have to say thank you for giving me one of my most incredible celebration at the station experiences. Well, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, I feel like I did most of the work on my own. So uh, I will take that. <laughs> no, it was, As you it should. was insane. Um, everything about that whole uh, show was just one one step into you know the barely believable after another um from the size of the crowd to you know having all of these amazing musicians sitting right behind us and uh then um you know alita adams joining us it, it just it was just one thing after another and it, it really did turn out amazing so Tim, that that music core performance was one of your first ones, I believe. You you had played a few uh, gigs before that, but then all of a sudden you're now in front of a crowd of forty, fifty thousand people at Memorial Day. Just tell us what that was like. I mean, you just told us a little bit about that that sensation of being overwhelmed with all these cool things, but looking out and seeing that large of a crowd. Because as Mike said. I think that's one of the coolest things about this event. Where rarely can you give a concert with that many people unless you're like in a stadium or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's you're talking about. That's like a very large portion of um, active duty Marines. Like that crowd, you know, comprised more than half of what what the entirety of the fighting force of the Marine Corps in its active duty. And, um, wow. so to, yeah, I mean, you know, looking, looking out before at companies of Marines and, um, you got hundreds and, you know, sometimes a couple thousand Marines there and it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, but I mean, that just swelled it up by such a huge number. It's, you don't see any, it's like trying to see any individuals or anything is just, it's impossible. It's, it's so vast. It is. It's a sea. I mean, it really is a sea of people from the stage all the way up this giant hill to uh, the memorial wall. It's insane. And for me, <laughs> um, you know, I'm not I'm not a professionally trained musician. I'm not, you know, music wasn't, you know, my my job or my career. Or, um, and in such a short time to get put in in a couple of these kind of positions and and to be up there on stage with you guys in front of a crowd like that um it, it's a little intimidating but you know you you do your work you and you just stick to the script and go for <laughs> it so let's back up a little bit um can you can you just talk to us about how you came to be involved with music Corps? You know what? What led you to to joining that group? And because uh, obviously there was a little bit of time between when you joined the group and and when you joined us in Kansas City, but it it wasn't that long. Yeah. So um, Musicor is a nonprofit. It's based out of uh, D.C. and they mainly work at uh, Walter Reed, uh, the military hospital there. And basically, when I was injured in the beginning of 2012, February of 12, um, Musicor was just uh, 
a couple teachers and they were doing some classes and um, there wasn't really any group coordination or um, there wasn't a band yet or anything. And uh, so they just kind of wander around the hospital from the gyms to, you know, where guys are working on their prosthetics. And, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll hit up your, you know, maybe your doctor or, you know, one of your therapists or something. And they're like, Oh, by the way, you know, so-and-so one of, one of the therapists told me you used to like do this or, you know, um, and so they, they try as well as other nonprofits, you know, for, I mean, all kinds of stuff from sports to, you know, um, Paralympic stuff to hunting to, um, you know, basically, you know, anything to try and get these guys, you know, give them a spark back and get them just readjusted and to so that they want to actually, um, you know, interact with the world around them. And uh, and so a lot of it's just about like prying them out of that that initial little box they've got themselves sewn into. And uh, for me, I, I kind of told them, music core, I, I told them to uh, take a hike the first couple times um, because I just, I wasn't, I wasn't into it. And um, guitar was my main thing and what I really enjoyed playing. And my right arm was pretty, pretty chewed up and um, a lot of nerve damage, a lot of muscle damage, doesn't bend at the elbow doesn't rotate at the wrist. And, um, and so I just didn't see any options there. And, uh, so I wasn't exactly very kind or willing my, my first couple times, but, um, uh, after a while, just something about it stuck with me and I, I went and saw them and, um, turned out nobody else like really wanted to sing or do any kind of vocals. And that's where I got that's where I got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> it chose you then. So uh, t- talk about that for a minute, though, because it's really interesting. You know, I know a lot of musicians who, um, you know, played for a long time and then had, you know, some kind of injury, not not from the military like you did, but, you know, either from overuse or something that prevents them from from being able to do what they, you know, used to be able to do on an instrument. And you you talked about music actually being part of your life for a long time. So what is it that... Um, what is it that got you over that hump to, you know, enjoy making music again, even if physically you weren't able to, you know, do it or feel it exactly the same way that uh, you did before? Um, geez, uh, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, um, I think part of it was I needed time to grieve. I mean, it's there's times you can just bear up under it and you know just push past it and okay, that's gone now, but it still hurts. But you don't want to deal with it because it hurts. And um, yeah, I think I just needed some time to to grieve and to like let some of that stuff go, and um, and give myself a little time to to realize that you know, okay, it's not exactly the same, but I'm still the same person. And you know, I used to write, and uh, so why why wouldn't I be able to do that again? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I can't do the exact same things, but finding, finding enough pieces can, I think sometimes, uh, save you from too, too heavy a loss of the whole, if that makes sense. But yeah, uh, I think a lot of it comes down to just being able to 
to let go and to realize, I mean, people aren't particularly good at that anyway. You know, we, we want what we want and we have our plans and our ideas. And if it doesn't go that way, then we're in a funk and it, it throws us off and, you know, we don't know what to do with ourselves. Um, but, uh, between, between the time and, um, boredom definitely did part of it. Um, (laughs) you, you know, you're working on your prosthetics and doing your little workouts and, trying to get back to being stronger and um and uh you're so exhausted all the time that you don't really do you know you just like go back want to go back to your room it's like I don't want to have to deal with people I don't want to have to deal with anything I just want to like chill for a while and um I know for for Nathan um our our guitarist he, he used to play 6 8 10 hours a day sometimes because he just didn't really want to do anything else. Um, and so it definitely, it, it fills in the gaps. So I have a question. Um, do you remember, do you recall any details or any memories come back of like your early, your earliest times, you know, coming into the music core scene? Like, do you have any memories about what that was like or how that imprinted on you? Um, yeah, yeah, it was... I mean, you know, it's awkward and, you know, they had a a music room Mm -hmm. that we could go to and uh, Arthur, he's the head of music corps, Arthur Bloom, he he would be there. Um, He's a pianist. He might just be sitting in there, you know, messing around or, you know, trying to get somebody on the phone to, you know, be meeting up for lessons and stuff and arranging lessons for um, guitar teachers to be coming in and teaching guys or... Um, and so you don't really, you, you know, initially you don't really know anybody else there. It's, you just know, Arthur, and there's a couple other guys there and, you know, you're all pretty, pretty banged up, pretty doped up. So it was pretty awkward early on, not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> especially like I didn't, I didn't want to sing with like any of the other guys around initially for the first while. Cause it's just just a little odd. Well, part of any band, of course, is the chemistry of the band. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times everyone knows each other going into it. Maybe they were high school buddies or whatever. And I can imagine being put into that kind of situation where you're just getting to know other guys who went through similar things with you. I mean, it, it had to have been a little tricky that you didn't have that chemistry right away. I guess my thought, my question for you is, you know, music is a, a therapeutic device. We Music therapy is used in hospitals and assisted living places all over the the world. Mm. Um, And there's a part of our brain, of course, that music has a special place in that it has nothing to do with anything else in our brain. Did you find eventually, once you got past all the awkwardness of it and and really got to know the other guys and started, you said you started singing and that you weren't really a singer, you're more of a guitar guy, so you're also trying to figure out something new. At what point did, did music maybe become the healing device all of a sudden, not just for what you were going through physically, but what you were going through emotionally in your mind as well. Well, I, for the first couple months, I didn't listen to any music at all, really. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, mm-hmm. um, and that's all, you know, that was 99% of those first two, three months is spent in the one hospital room, never leaving, um, mm-hmm. not really even leaving the bed. And um, for those first couple months, I... I didn't listen to music at all. Um, 
I'd, uh, there were times I'd hear, you know, like an old, a song I, I used to enjoy or used to play. It was, it was hard. I did not deal with it well all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's the thing about music. It's connection and, you know, wordless emotion. And, um, it, it pulls all that, all that out of you. And, um, I think part of what made it such a hard experience, but also, um, then a healing experience is, you know, you're exposing yourself, your, your heart and your soul in different ways to these people that you're not really, you, you know, you're not sure how it's going to be received and you're not in the best place, you know, at the time being. And so, um, yeah, some, you know, some really deep stuff came out of it though, that, um, some really dark stuff sometimes. Um, but you know, just it, I think it, helped us reconnect with the part of ourselves that rather than just being angry and jaded and it makes you connect, reconnect with your own emotional side. And, um, where, you know, even for us having to put that on hold to be going on a combat deployment and, um, you know, there's, there's a whole, its own disconnection there. And, uh, and so, I think, yeah, the guys, it's surprising. They, they really open up. They really develop and, you know, start being able to see their, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses and what to work on. And, um, and yeah, when, when it came down to it, we, we were able to connect with each other. And, um, then through that, we, we saw that as, um, inability to use that music to um use what we've gone through to connect with other people and and to try and you know reach them in a in a hard place or just you know i mean it's life life's pretty life's pretty rough all around yeah mm -hmm. so you've talked about um you know the guys that you've been playing with and maybe just since we're in a podcast setting um can you talk a little bit about maybe um, cause you've all sustained different injuries. Um, and there, so you'll have, you maybe have different adaptations, um, not just in music core, but then also in your new band, um, that it, that you guys are a part of now the resilient. Could you talk a little bit about just kind of, um, what everybody's injuries consist of and how that's kind of brought you guys together and, you know, adjustments that have had to be made. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, the guys who are, uh, members of the resilient, there's f four of us who are, uh, full-time members. And then, um, we, uh, will hire a, a bass player at different times, depending on, mm -hmm. uh, what's going on. Um, but the four members of the resilient are myself, uh, Dom Juan Dominguez, is his name, uh, nickname Dom, Marines are lazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, Nathan Kalwicki, he uh, was uh, Army, he was a soldier. And he, and he was he was in Music Corps as well, right? Yes. Juan Dominguez was not. He uh, was kind of doing his own thing, and he was injured a couple years earlier than uh, Nathan and I. And so um, 
we met we met Dom and got to know Dom at a couple of music core shows that he played at with us, but he wasn't a member of music core at the time. And, um, he was, he was just forging away, doing his own thing and, um, making, making some good friends. And, uh, then, um, Nathan, he, he's injured as well. And, uh, then Greg Lohman, our, uh, guitarist, our lead guitarist, he, um, was a teacher for music core. And hmm. so Nathan and I were, members back i want to say our first big show was in the end of 2012 mm -hmm. and um that was kind of our first our first big break and um that was what really gave us our our confidence booster that like yeah we can do this and um and i think that um uh over time you know where greg was teaching nathan guitar and he's teaching you know different guys at the hospital different instruments um just over time in music core doing doing these different shows and stuff it moved from um you know being colleagues and hey you know we we work together to do this stuff and um it turned into just you know being close friends and our, our respect for each other's abilities and and also just that you know that question mark why factor of the the chemistry of uh you know creativity when when you're in the same place and just that motivation to to push you forward so it definitely uh we kind of were all we were all doing our own thing and music core was a nice music core was a great program and a, and you know it's where we got our start um in in a lot of ways but um then we wanted to to take that and we we had some stuff we wanted to say, and we wanted to be able to just be creative and um, not have to worry about maybe our message or um, so it it really uh, it evolved in a lot of different ways there as time went on. And so um, Greg is the only one in the band. Um, Greg out of the four is uh, he was a civilian and uninjured. Um, I lost both my legs above the knee and um, had some pretty substantial damage to my, my right arm and my back. Um, Dom uh, was in an explosion and he lost uh, both of his legs and his right arm above the elbow. And uh, he's our drummer. And um, then Nathan got, uh, he was shot and uh, he ended up losing his uh, one leg above the knee because of that. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're definitely like kind of a, it's like the Island of misfit toys, but, um, <laughs> I have to say that uh, everyone out there should watch the videos of them playing because you know, all of them, he's, he's describing this. You wouldn't hear a bit of it in the music. I mean, whatever their, whatever their physical, uh, injuries might be, especially the drummer watching their drummer is just <laughs> the biggest blast in the world. Well, didn't it's, you say it's a little unbelievable. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. Didn't you say that he was not a drummer before his injury? That is correct. Um, he, <laughs> wow. he, uh, um, he had an, a couple different bands along the way from when he was in high school. And then, you know, soon after, and, you know, he had his friends and, um, 
Dom, Dom used to do some uh, screamo songs and, uh, and um, you know, just heavy shredding guitar. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's definitely, um, you never know where you're going to end up. He, he, uh, he just kept going after it and trying it, and next thing you know, he's, he's a boss. I mean, we've had to re reconfigure he's had to reconfigure his kit a million times you know sure. trying just trying different stuff out but yeah. it works yeah well you guys are a killer band i've enjoyed watching uh, several of your videos on youtube and you know you mentioned something just a little bit earlier that made me think you know how you said how you guys wanted to go out on your own once you've been involved in music core to form a new band now that you guys were good friends some of the things I've seen you guys do are cover songs, and you, you were a hell of a cover band, but now, of course, you're doing all your own original stuff. Talk a little bit about that process as an artist of um, wanting to branch out, because I think one of the hardest things, even if you're a talented musician, and especially we deal with this in the classic classical music world all the time, so many of our musicians throughout the classical music world are incredible musicians, but some of them couldn't compose a single note if you asked them to, because it's a whole different skill set, of course. So just talk a little bit about how you, as a, a songwriter, um, because I, I believe it's you that writes a lot of your band's original songs. How did that process start, and uh, why why did you decide to go that route? Um, yeah, absolutely. So I do, um, I do the main lyric writing, and... Um, the other guys, you know, they'll, we'll, we'll send pieces around and, uh, um, you know, maybe Nathan comes up with some guitar riff and he's like, Hey, tell me what you think of this and sends it over. Um, or back in the days when they could visit, um, you know, we'd all be here and Greg would be walking through the other room playing something. I'm like, Hey, what is that? Play that again. Is that, is that something you, is that yours? Is that like something you're making up? Cause I like that. <laughs> do, do, and then you know I'll have just have him record a section, and play it over and over, and um, it, it really is rewarding to to get to write and play our own stuff. And uh, we did just drop our first original single. Um, it's called Freedom's Cost, and uh, we have two more that are in the pipeline: um, Last Memory and Accept the End. And, um, they're all pretty different from the, you know, they kind of go over a a pretty wide variety of sounds and, uh, um, tunes, but yeah, it really does make a huge difference to, I like it. I think it's easier because, well, I mean, if we're doing a Tom Petty cover that he's, he's got that weird voice and it. You know, got to <laughs> sing that totally different than singing, you know, a Pink Floyd cover or, right. um, you know, it, it just makes such a huge difference. And, and you're trying to remember somebody else's words and the, you know, the especially for some of the, you know, some some of the ones that are like classics that people love. You know, they're like, oh, the you know, the the drum fill wasn't exactly on point or. It, it makes such a huge difference. The same thing happens to us in the orchestra world because there's so many recordings of Beethoven 5 out there that when people come to hear a performance of Beethoven 5, if it's not the exact same tempo or just like you said, it, oh, I, I like the, the brass to sound this way. If it doesn't sound exactly like that, they're like, ugh, 
it's just not the same. So I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. I, actually, orchestra is sort of like the perfect example of a cover band because we, I mean, we play all these original pieces, of course, but we're recreating them instead of creating them on the spot or, you know, coming up with our own original piece right there at the moment. So we're kind of like a cover band ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. All the things you're talking about are uh, as, as being, you know, difficult or awkward or somehow unnatural. Those are all the things that I have to f- figure out every day that I also find difficult uh, or unnatural at times. And, you know, that's my whole job. And I'm actually uh, often envious of, of composers or, uh, you know, any musician like yourself that, that creates um, not only the performance, but also the the music itself. Um, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about, about, you know, the inspiration from your music. I mean, from the titles that you've been mentioning, it's relatively obvious, but, but go into a little bit more depth because I think, um, you know, when you listen to your music, the authenticity of, of what you're communicating that, you know, you've, you're, you're not singing about something that someone else experienced or, you know, even your interpretation of something that's happened around. I mean, this is, this is your life, your experience, you know, lots of guys who've gone through, you know, real, real challenge and trauma and overcoming uh, so many things. And it comes out in your music in this incredibly impactful way. Uh, Thank you. Um, I got to say a lot of it is, I mean, you know, whether it, I mean, not everything I write is necessarily from my own perspective. Um, and it, it is, it's a little nerve wracking in its own way because, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll write something and then I, I start second guessing it because I'm like, oh, is, you know, are people going to take that the wrong way or is that too much? Is it, you know, going a little too far there? Um, getting a little too, little too dark, a little too real. Um, and, and, you know, th- that is something I, I worry about at times. But for the most part, um, I just, I, I, especially with the guys, they've, they've really given me a big boost, you know, just telling me like, hey, you know, write, like don't, doesn't matter what anybody else wants to hear. Like if, if you're writing what's real, and what what's true to you and you know you're you're writing about um you know sometimes alluding to uh in different songs you know veteran suicide is a huge problem substance abuse um you know these these things aren't exactly popular topics and um that's part of why I want to say things about them because they they are important and they are making a big deal even if they are it's hard to talk about or it's uncomfortable or um if if we can help people see that um you know hey it, like life life gets messy and it got a little messier for us than it you know obviously messy for us than it does for a lot of people but um if we can still you know be talking about you know our real issues and trying to encourage people and connect with people, then, you know, uh, that that's the person I'm writing it for, the person I actually, you know, I want them to connect with that and I want people to be able to look at it from different walks of life and still have it touch them. Well, all great art has a lot of truth to it 
and and your art does of course as well and it also when you were just talking about that also made me think of the examples from the classical music world of some of the greatest pieces have been written in some of the most traumatic times in our world's history you know i think of composers like shostakovich or um other composers composing during wartime or you know we're going through a time right now with the pandemic i'm i'm interested to see what kind of art comes out of 2020 you know it's going to be interesting to to see what our composers and rock bands and visual artists and various other people that create what they take from this and what they're able to create i i think i mean in a way like the band we kind of went through our own little when, after we were first injured, you know, each individually, we went through our own little quarantine. And, mm. you know, um, for a while, it was, you know, it's gloves and masks and gowns. And, you know, if you've got all these infections and you're just not allowed to see anyone or go anywhere. And um, mm. all the distractions then, you know, like we're we're so used to, we love our distractions. We love our sporting events and going to the movies and going out to dinner just because we can and we want to and that's great um but people are uh they're stuck you know they have to they have to spend time with themselves and Mm. and you know spending time thinking and kind of locked away from other influences and, you know, getting to just hang out with their friends or family or whoever, you know, the, those big influences. And it makes you look at what do I think and where, you know, you're not just gravitating towards the, the strongest or most, you know, opinion that you most connect with. You, you've got time to actually reflect and look at yourself and be stuck by yourself. <laughs> So that's that actually makes me think, are you doing quite a bit of writing now? I mean, is now now that you're, you know, stuck, as you say, as we all are, uh, you know, what's writing like for you right now? Um, you know, it it's been going pretty good. I, I've been doing a fair bit of writing and um, I've been I have been playing around on the guitar more. Um, I, I, I've written stuff for the band um, on the guitar um, tunes and, uh, if, you know, sometimes, uh, like the one, one gu- guitar piece I, I wrote ended up being, it was a guitar lick in the song, but then it's also the backup vocals. There are backup vocals doing what was part of a guitar piece before. And, um, so I've just been trying to, I've been branching out some, it's definitely not, um, performance, level uh guitarmanship but uh it's you know it's good enough to get some tracks and get some ideas down and uh um it has been i mean for me this last year especially i've tried to just i just write whenever even if it's just a couple words or you know a sentence um but i'll just jot i'll just jot stuff down throughout my day and um uh, last year I made was when I really made the point to, to like attack that and just make that part of like one of my habits of just jotting down different thoughts and ideas and notes because um, after a little while, you know, I'm, hey, maybe I didn't look at these lines for a few months, but then I realized something I'm, I'm thinking about and writing now is 
connecting with that and um and then pieces just start to start to align tim i've got to ask you you guys have played with a lot of really cool artists uh from all different genres of music um on all different stages throughout the united states what are some of your most memorable performances or, or people that you've had the chance to work with in the band oh uh well so um our first big show uh was uh for a, a non-profit event for the uh bob woodruff foundation and um that was uh with roger waters from pink floyd and nice. g.e smith um uh was playing guitar and nice. I, I mean the num the number of you know incredible musicians on stage that night one after another and you know they have uh, they had they would have like a comedy section um and so you know they'd have different comedians coming up and um uh, I think Robin Williams was there and wow. um, Jim Gaffigan mm -hmm. and some of those guys. Nice. Um, but um, in terms of, in terms of the artists, that was like really what got our name out there at the beginning, I think, and was, you know, and it wasn't terrible. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, uh, it went great. It was awesome. And, um, since then we you know we got to come out there and play with you guys and the the entire symphony and uh and alita adams um uh, we talked a little bit about uh yo-yo earlier mm -hmm. um yo-yo ma he is just both an incredible musician and an incredible human being and um i i hope to work with him again at some point um oh man um did I see Cheryl Crow? Oh, Cheryl Crow. Oh yeah. Man. Yeah. Oh, our our band manager would uh, would probably hit me for this, but um, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Tell us. I I always leave some people out, and she's like always correcting me. So so if if I miss a couple, just help me out. I I, I was on a lot of a lot of different medications over those years, lots of surgeries. So some of those are a little, little foggy. Um, you guys started at the top, though. I tell you what. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I think it was, um, I think it was the show out in um, Aspen with Yo-Yo Ma and um, Arthur Bloom from uh, Musicor, who started Musicor. He's a Juilliard-trained pianist and composer, and um, and then uh, it was a vocalist from the new york she was a vocalist for the new york city opera hmm. and so it's the four of us and we're doing some dry runs before the crowd comes in and we go through it and i think i think it was america the beautiful and um maybe wide river to cross or but uh um we're running through it and Yo-Yo stops uh, after we, you know, hit the last note. And he's just like looking around at us. And he's like, that was beautiful. I am so honored to be part of this. And I'm like looking around at the other three. And I'm like, you guys, you guys, 
no, I, I don't like really do this. Like this isn't my thing. <laughs> I'm so out of my league here, out of my depth. <laughs> but um, that's the thing when, you know, they were such amazing experiences working with, working with you guys, working with artists like that, that it made me feel like I could do it. And, you know, that it was something I, it was achievable. It was, I could reach out for it. Um, yeah, um, uh, a couple, I guess there were a couple things with Sheryl Crow uh, that we did. Um, the, I think it was the CNN Hero Awards. Mm-hmm. Musicor was a, a part of that. And um, Billy Corgan, um, Tom Morello. I think that was the Music Heels show in, in D.C. at the uh, Constitution Hall. And Tom, Tom Morello's like uh, from um, Rage Against the Machine. He's, he's oh, yeah. playing with his mm-hmm. teeth. <laughs> but how did I end up here? I, I don't know what happened, guys, but all right. If, if you're cool with it, I'm cool with it. I'll, I'll keep doing this. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, those are a lot of uh, awesome people, but I know, we all know that Kansas City Symphony was your favorite performance of all those, I'm sure. Are, that was the most overwhelming and most intimidating. I'll, I'll give it that. And the biggest show we've done, oh. it was, uh, man, that's been like the, one of the standout points for us ever since. It's, it's just, you know, how, how, do you, how do you compare? Well, it was a standout point for us too. And believe, uh, believe me when I say the honor was all ours. We Absolutely. really enjoyed having you and we can't wait to have you back again at that event again. Uh, thank you so much, guys. I, we, we can't wait. So do you all have some uh, you know, long-term goals for the band or yourself individually? Do you see yourself you know, continuing to live and work in music indefinitely? Are there other things you want to do? Um, well, so, um, we've been, in terms of with the band, we've been, we've been ramping it up this, this past year a lot. And, um, in January was when we released our first single, uh, and we played at, um, NAMM show 2020 in Anaheim, California, uh, on the D'Angelico stage. They, they invited us out and that was awesome. And so we were really working up to having uh basically we want to be able to play our originals for people um and then uh, as we've been working we've gotten enough originals together that um not not released yet but um we've gotten enough originals that are written and finished that you know we could do most of a show just our music and instead of being mainly a cover band we can do a couple you know, a couple covers we enjoy doing, you know, a couple classics, you know, but then we can be sharing what we actually want to say. And so, yeah, I mean, as you guys know, though, everything's, everything's gotten shut down and canceled. And we had a bit of a tour-ish thing planned for May and June. And, um, you know, we were going to be out there with you guys. We were expecting you guys at at this 18th annual celebration at the station. And we were... So excited to have you and um, super bummed. Looking forward, yeah. <laughs> looking forward to getting it rescheduled we'll because uh, it. Hey, yeah, it, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, <laughs> um, and hopefully we'll be we'll be even better prepared when the time comes. Um, we've just been this last little while trying to change gears, and um, you know, I mean, needless to say, we 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 all we've been beat up pretty good physically and uh you know between i don't think i don't think any of the guys had fewer than 20 surgeries 
and like you know hardware and infections and you know immune issues and um so with everything that's been going on we've been laying pretty low and uh just trying to play it safe and so we're we're not sure when you know when we'll be doing live shows again when we'll be able to you know be flying around no big deal um but uh we're we we've been ramping up doing um some some live videos and trying to uh, amp up our recording um so that we're shooting pieces around uh pieces of uh writing and music around and just um getting more done for you know just use this time to get some work done i mean i have i have plenty to do around here around our place um kelly and i have you know we have bees we have a couple beehives out back we have oh that's awesome um my service dog sandy and we um yeah i i uh i like doing a lot of different stuff i i've got a blacksmith shop set up down in my barn um i you know it's i but the music has been and especially now we you know we were all going to be together right around now we've been planning on uh working on stuff so uh, we're kind of just missing each other and, and, uh, hoping to be, um, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that come up. And again, I want to say thank you so much for having me on here, guys. This is, this is great. Kansas city loves you guys. And we are, are super excited to, uh, have you back whenever we can. Absolutely. We, uh, we loved Kansas city. And, um, this time I think we, we were planning on doing a, a few different things <clears throat> while we were out there because we wanted to hang out for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Get some barbecue. <laughs> It'll come around in its own time. It will. Well, Tim, this has been an amazing conversation and uh, we could probably have made a two hour podcast uh, with you talking about your band and uh, some of your life story because it is just uh, truly so incredible and so uh, inspiring. But, one of the things that we have to ask you before you go, because this is the most important part of Beethoven walks into a bar. What is your drink of choice? Ooh, I, uh, I got to go with, um, a dirty gin martini. Ooh. Oh, I like that answer. That's my work. How many olives? At least two, but probably like four. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i love that answer because i just went to costco this morning and grabbed myself a big old kirkland gin (laughs) Mm. so so this is a promise then now when you come back to kansas city we're all going to share a dirty gin martini together after the show on memorial day or whatever day it is that you uh come not not before the show well you know personal (laughs) personal choice i'll have to uh read my cba and see what it says about musicians drinking martini before concerts on television but you know i'm sure it's fine <laughs> there's there's michael well, reading his music with one eye like, like hey. <laughs> hold still notes well we'll do that martini for sure all together in the meantime you'll just have to settle for a quarantini oh, ah, that's oh never mind that was boy. just awful sorry everyone oh, sorry boy. sorry dad joke All right. Well, enough about drinking. We want to leave you uh, with some recommended listening like we always do. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about Celebration at the Station and uh, thinking about Resilient and 
what we sometimes play out there. And at least a couple of times, uh, I think, we have played one of my favorite uh, pieces of Leonard Bernstein, uh, his three dances from On the Town. Uh, and and one, I love it just because it's great music. Two, of course, uh, it tells a story of three sailors going out on the town uh, in New York on a on a day of leave. And um, third, I found a really cool recording of it performed by the Marine Band. So uh, check it out on YouTube. Some of uh, Tim Donnelly's uh, comrades in arms there playing uh, on the town. And actually... The Marine Band uh, is is one of uh, one of the best bands ensembles uh, anywhere, and the musicians in it are absolutely first rate. It's an incredibly uh, competitive band to get into, and it's really you know the premier uh, military band in the United States. They are definitely phenomenal. Uh, my recommended listening for the week uh, comes from the Resilient. It is their new single, Freedom's Cost, which just came out in January, I believe. It's not only a great tune, um, I I know it's on YouTube and Spotify. Uh, Tim, where else can we find Freedom's Cost? People want to listen to it. Oh, um, Apple Apple Music. Um, it's up on yep. basically every... Uh, you can even find it on... Um, what's what's that one called where you, it, you hear a song and then you... You start the program and it tells you what the song is. And the oh, Shazam! 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 Nice. It's even on there, so that's pretty exciting. Cool. Well, it's a great tune, and I, I really love the lyrics. I think they're very meaningful, and uh, I definitely recommend you check that out. Tim, do you have any recommended listening for our listeners to this podcast for the week? Ooh, I uh, anything else? I gotta go with um, "Small Time Blues" by Pete Drogue. That's one I've been nice. listening to lately and um, just working on a little bit on my own. And um, also, uh, I, you know, some, some good old Bach, you know, um, <laughs> yes. that, that cello. <laughs> it's, it's uh, I mean, and, and that's, that's the one Yo-Yo always suggests, but it's, there's a reason. It's, it's a, it's a great one. It's one of my favorites. I love listening to it. Like in the evening time when, you know, got the fire going, it's perfect. Well, I said it at the beginning, but I will say it again. My recommended listening is 100% Music Corps with the Kansas City Symphony performing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah in 2013. Um, if you if you want to get some chills and, uh, and just be really inspired by these incredible gentlemen, uh, definitely watch that. I'll put the YouTube link up for you guys. Also, if you're in Kansas City and you're listening to this before Memorial Day of 2020, you can catch the Bank of America Best of Celebration at the station with the Kansas City Symphony on Sunday, May 24th at 7 or Monday, May 25th at 8.30 on KCPT. And you can check that out and um, revisit some of the best moments of our signature Memorial Day event from the past decade or so. So that's uh, that's coming up too. So we've talked a lot today. Service through music is certainly a theme that we visited a lot today with Tim. And, and even if sometimes unspoken, it's at the heart really of everything that we do. It's a big topic and a big topic deserves the biggest guest, the maestro himself, our music director, Michael Stern. And as we celebrate the 100th anniversary of his father, Isaac Stern's birth, we're going to talk about his legacy of advocacy for the arts, 
and how Michael continues the family tradition here in Kansas City and all over the world next time on Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. 